Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled Nemesis, where Miss Marple reads a letter addressed to her from an acquaintance she met while on vacation, who was also recently deceased, leaving instruction to investigate a crime. Only problem is he failed to explain who was involved or where and when the crime had been committed. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. The late Mr. Raphael had sent me on a tour of houses and gardens in order to solve a mystery, the brutal killing of a young girl for which his son was serving a life sentence. He had arranged for me to meet people who had known the girl, her headmistress, Miss Temple, and the three sisters with whom she had lived. But my investigation had been overtaken by tragedy. Miss Temple had been killed by a falling rock. Was this an accident, or had she too been murdered? Professor Wanstead, who had been my ally on the tour, was anxious to talk to me after the inquest. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's Nemesis. Now that the coroner has delivered his verdict, there's nothing to prevent the tour carrying on its way. Are you planning to go with it, Miss Marple? No, I don't think so, Professor. There is still so much for me to do here. You see, it's not just Mr. Raphael I'm working for now. I feel it is my duty to Miss Temple to find out what happened. And will you be staying here at the Golden Boar or at the Old Manor House? That rather depends on whether I receive any further invitation to go back. Meanwhile, I think it might be better for me to remain here... What about you? If it will not get in the way of your plans, I should prefer to return to London. I have work there waiting to be done. After all, Miss Marple, I came on this tour only to meet you. And now you have met me and know all I know, or practically all, you have other matters to put in hand. So what is the next stage of your investigation? I only wish I knew. But there is something I've remembered. And what is that? Miss Temple said to me when we first talked to one another that she had come on the tour because she was going on a pilgrimage. Oh, did she say what the pilgrimage was? To where or to whom? No. I think that if she'd been able to live for a little longer and not been so weak, she might have told me. But death came too soon. I am coming to believe that the reason why she was killed was to prevent her going wherever she wanted to go. One can only hope that chance or providence may throw light on that. And that's the reason you're staying on here? It's part of it, I think. And I want to find out more about Nora Broad. The other girl who disappeared? Yes, mm. the girl who was so popular with all the young men. I think that if I could learn a little more about her, it would help me with my inquiries. Then I leave the investigation to you, Detective Inspector Marple. <laughs> But you won't go away without having a word with me, will you? There is something on which I would value your opinion, but I need a little more time to think it over. I'm not leaving until tomorrow, Miss Marple. I want to keep my eye on you for as long as I can.
The service in memory of Elizabeth Temple was held in the local church. All my companions on the tour were there, and I also noticed Mrs. Glynn and her sister Clotilde, though there was no sign of Anthea. Perhaps it was just as well. But I could not help noticing an elderly clergyman in gaiters who was finding it rather difficult getting to his feet after kneeling. Was he perhaps an old friend of Miss Temple's? Some of my fellow travellers were returning to London. Others were determined to see the tour out and get their money's worth. Miss Cook and Miss Barrow seemed not to have made up their minds, or were they waiting to find out what I intended to do? Are you going to go on with the tour, Miss Marple? No, I think I shall probably stay on at the Golden Boar for a little while. I don't feel quite equal to going on travelling. I think that a day or two's rest might help me to just... Yes, I think we might hang around here for a while as well. There are some pretty good walks in the neighbourhood after all. I couldn't help wondering what they would have done if I had said I was going on with the tour. I waited until they were well out of sight before I made my next move, and then I went along to a neat little house at the end of the road. Oh, and what can I do for you, Mum? Mrs. Blackett. Yes, that's my name. I wonder if I might come in for a moment. I've just been to the memorial service, and I am feeling a little giddy. Oh. If I could just sit down for a minute or two. Oh, come right in, Mum. Come in and sit down. I'll get you a glass of water. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry to put you to any inconvenience. Oh, don't you worry about that. Here's your glass of water. Oh, thank you so much. I've got a nephew like that. He oughtn't to be at his age. He's not much over 50. But now and then he comes over all giddy and has to sit down before he passes out. And the doctors don't seem able to do anything about it. I'm feeling much better now, thank you. So, you've been to the service, have you, for that poor lady who got killed? There's rumour going about that it wasn't an accident. But oh, these inquestion coroners, they're always trying to find out something criminal, don't they? Yes, I'm sure. But then, so many strange things seem to have been happening round here. I was hearing about a girl called Nora. Nora Broad, I think it was. Oh, Nora, yes. She was my cousin's daughter. Oh, but all that was quite some time ago now. She went off, never came back. Not that it came as any surprise to me. I said to my cousin more than once, You're out working all day, I said. Do you have any idea what your Nora gets up to? You know she's one for the boys. There'll be trouble one day, you mark my words. And sure enough, I was right. You mean that she... Oh, yes. Mm. The usual trouble got herself in the pudding club. If, if you'll forgive me putting it like that. Mind you, I don't think my cousin knew about it. I thought I knew who'd done it, too. But then, when she went missing, the man stayed here. And he was really cut up about it. She just went off, did she? Well... Apparently, she accepted a lift from someone. No one knows who. And that's the last time she was seen. I forget the make of the car now, an audit or something. Anyway, she'd been seen once or twice in that car. And they do say it was the same car that the poor girl who got murdered was seen in. But I don't think that was what happened to Nora. 
If Nora had been murdered, the body would have come to life by now, surely. I would certainly have thought so. Oh, she must have gone off with someone for good. She never sent so much as a postcard. Had she anyone to go to? Except your cousin, I mean. Was there anyone who... Oh, there was Melius was kind to her. There were the people up at the old manor house. Miss Anthea gave her a nice scarf and brought her a very pretty summer dress once. And Miss Clotilde tried to get her to take an interest in her schooling. Told her she was spending too much time running after boys. Oh, she didn't take a blind bit of notice. Anybody could pick her up. I always said she'd end up going on the streets or become one of those strip teasers. It's terrible when they refuse to listen to good advice. Oh, anyway, it's better than getting herself murdered, like that poor girl Verity Hunt. She'd got everything that Nora hadn't, everything a girl could wish for. And look what happened to her. I felt tired and slightly out of breath by the time I got back to the Golden Boar. I longed to put my feet up and close my eyes for an hour or two, but I was told that there was an archdeacon waiting for me in the lounge. It was the elderly cleric I had noticed at the memorial service. Elizabeth Temple was a very old friend of mine. I went to talk to the matron at the hospital before going to the church, and she told me that Elizabeth had asked to speak to you before she died. Yes, it surprised me to be sent for. Uh, you knew her well? No, I hardly knew her at all. I met her on the tour. We had talked a little to one another, that is all. Well, she was coming to visit me at Filmington, where I live. It is one of the stops on the coach tour, and Filmington Hall is not far from my house. There were various matters on which she thought I might be able to help her. May I ask you something? I hope you will not feel that I am prying. Oh, ask me anything you like, Miss Marple. One of the things Miss Temple said to me was that she had not come on the tour simply to visit historic houses and gardens. She had another purpose, and she asked me if I could guess what it was. And what did you say? I told her that she had the look of a person who was on a pilgrimage, and she said that that was so. She was. Oh, very strange. And what I wanted to ask you was whether that pilgrimage was her visit to you. Well, I rather think it must have been. We were talking about a young girl, a girl called Verity. Oh, Verity Hunt. But she died some time ago. Did you know that? Oh, yes. Miss Temple told me that this girl had been engaged to be married to the son of the late Mr. Raphael. Mr. Raphael had paid for me to come on this tour, and I think it was his intention that I should meet Miss Temple. I imagine he thought she might be able to give me certain information. About Verity Hunt? Yes. But that was why she was coming to see me. Elizabeth wanted to know certain facts. Did she want to know why Verity broke off her engagement to Mr. Raphael's son? We've got the old survey map and we've got the cupboards. Oh, uh, Have you got the mint cake? I wonder yes, if you would mind very much if we were to continue our conversation on the hotel terrace. I don't wish to appear melodramatic, but there would be less chance there of our being overheard. It can't rain, not today. You see, Miss Marple, Verity didn't break off her engagement. I'm certain of that. Well, as certain as I can be of anything. Did Miss Temple know that? No, I don't think she did. The whole business of Verity Hunt was something which disturbed her very much. And why did this marriage not take place? 
Please don't think that this is just idle curiosity. I, too, am on... not a pilgrimage, but what I should call a mission. You're involved in some way? I am involved by the dying wishes of Michael Raphael's father. He wanted me to find out whether his son really was guilty of the crime for which he'd been imprisoned. Well, I doubt whether I can help you very far, but I'll do what I can. I knew that dear child, Verity, from a long way back. I prepared her for confirmation. I used to hold services at Elizabeth Temple's school. Verity was one of the most beautiful children, in mind and heart as well as appearance, that I've ever come across. She had the great misfortune to lose her parents before she was truly adult. She went to live with a close friend of her mother's, Clotilde Bradbury Scott, and her sisters at the old manor house near here. But perhaps you've already made their acquaintance. Uh, yes, I have met them, yes. I saw nothing of her again until the day she came when suddenly she turned up at my house, looking very bewildered and anxious, with an attractive young man who I happen to know slightly, Michael Raphael. They told me that they were in love with one another and wanted to get married. And did you agree to marry them? Yes, I did. Perhaps, Miss Marple, you may think that I should not have done so. It was obvious that they'd come to me in secret. And I'll tell you frankly, Michael Raphael was not the kind of person you would want for any daughter or relation of yours. So I have heard. Well, he'd been in trouble ever since his boyhood. He'd been involved in a whole series of crimes of one sort and another. And he was a bad lot as far as girls were concerned as well. And did Verity know what kind of a person he was? We made no attempt to deceive her. He'd withheld nothing. He told her that when he married her, he would turn over a new leaf. And did she believe him? She said to me, I know what Mike is like. I know he'll always be that kind of person. But I love him. I may be able to help him, and I may not. But I'll take the risk. A brave girl. I'll tell you this, Miss Marple. Through my work with many young people, I've come to know when a couple really are in love with one another. Those two loved in the words of the marriage service, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. But there my story ends. I can't tell you more because I don't know what happened. I only know that I agreed to do as they asked. We settled a day, a time, a place. I think perhaps I was to blame for agreeing to the secrecy. They didn't want anyone to know? Well, Verity didn't. And I should imagine that Michael most certainly didn't. They were afraid of being stopped. For Verity, I think there was a feeling of escape. From the old manor house? From being too cared for, too protected. She wanted to escape to a different kind of life. But the road she started out on led to pain and death. And that is why I have a grave feeling of guilt. Yes, I can understand that. What happened on that day, the day they were to be married? Well, I waited. Waited for a bride and bridegroom who never came, and who sent me no word, nothing. It still seemed to me unbelievable. Not that they didn't come, but that they sent me no word, 
Something must have happened between them. Something that opened Verity's eyes to some aspect of Michael Raphael's character that she'd not known before. Well, in that case, surely she'd have let me know. She wouldn't have left me waiting there to join them in holy matrimony. She was a girl of beautiful manners, well brought up. She would have sent word. No, I'm afraid there is only one thing that could have happened. Death. Yes. Death. Love. By that you mean? It's what Miss Temple said to me. I asked her why the girl died, and she said, "Love," and that love was one of the most frightening words in the world. I see, or at least I think I see. But why did he kill her? It can't have been because she told him she was going to have a child, surely. Now the only possible solution is that the boy had some kind of dual personality, a kind of Jekyll and Hyde. But why did he have to kill her in that savage way? Must have happened on that very day, the day I was going to join them in marriage. Did you attend the trial? Yes, I did. He made a very bad impression in court. In what way? Well, he told futile and senseless lies. He got his friends to give him impossible alibis. He seemed very frightened. He said nothing of his plan to marry. I believe his counsel was of the opinion that it would tell against him, that the girl might have been forcing him to marry her because she was pregnant. All the evidence was dead against him, and he looked so guilty. And you are certain that he killed her? Well, I've always hoped that it may have been somebody else, some stranger perhaps. But I can't make myself believe it. You said you were certain of their love for one another. Oh yes. I'm still certain, though I fear it may have brought about her death. You must go on believing as you do. I think that I believe it too. But then why? At first, when Elizabeth Temple said that the girl had died of love, I thought she meant suicide. You don't kill yourself by beating in your own head. I'm beginning to see now that she might have meant something else by love. And why love seemed to her such a frightening word. I hope you find the solution to all this, Miss Marple. I made the wrong judgment. I didn't know the danger she was running, and now I'm a sad and unhappy man. The following day, the coach was drawn up in front of the Golden Boar, and the long-delayed tour was about to get going again. Mrs. Risley Porter was in a great state of indignation because her niece Joanna Crawford had gone down with a sore throat and a high temperature and would be unable to accompany her on the rest of the tour. She boarded the bus in a high state of self-pity. Bon voyage and good riddance. That's what I say. Was that addressed to Mrs. Risley Porter, Mr. Price? It certainly was. She'll have to lug her own luggage about now, and find someone else to nag and bully. I am sorry to hear that Joanna is under the weather. She'll be all right just as soon as the bus turns that corner. I see. And is that why you are not continuing with the tour either? We're staying on here for a day or two. There's quite a lot to keep us occupied, and after the strain of the inquest and all that, Joanna could do with a little diversion. I'm sure she could. You don't disapprove of us, do you? 
Well, I have known such things to happen. The excuses may have been different in my day, and you can get away with things more easily now. Perhaps we can. It is strange, isn't it, that no one has come forward to confirm what you both said you saw? The person pushing the boulder down on Miss Temple? I don't think it's particularly strange. No one else was on the track where we were walking, and the contour of the hill would have obscured the rocks from the people walking on the main path. But I'd better go and tell Joanna the coast's clear. And he was off before I could ask the question that was on the tip of my tongue. My doubts would have to wait. And I needed to talk to Professor Wanstead again before he caught his train back to London. I really feel I ought to stay here to keep an eye on you. No, Professor, there is no need for you to do that. There are other things you ought to be doing. What things? Are you on to something? I sincerely hope so, but I need to verify it. There are certain matters that I cannot handle myself. However, I think that they fall within your province because you're in touch with what I call the authorities. Meaning Scotland Yard and the governors of Her Majesty's prisons? Exactly. One or other or all of them. You might have the Home Secretary in your pocket too. You don't let much stand in your way, do you? Where do you want me to start? First of all, I want to give you this address. Mm. Some charity or other, I take it. One of the better ones, I believe. You send them clothes, jackets, pullovers, that sort of thing. You're not suggesting I donate something. I want you to make inquiries there about a parcel which was sent to them two days ago. Sent from the post office here. I want to find out what was in it. I've no doubt you can somehow manage that. Will there be anything inside the parcel to say who actually sent it? I rather think not. Though I suppose it is just possible there might be a note saying from Miss Anthea Bradbury Scott. Did she, um... She took uh, it to the post. You had asked her to take it there? Oh, no. The first I saw of the parcel was when you and I were sitting out on the terrace the other day and she passed by carrying it. You think that this parcel might be interesting? I think the contents of it might be quite important. You like keeping your secrets, don't you, Miss Marple? Oh, not exactly secrets. They are possibilities that I'm exploring. One doesn't like to make positive assertions unless one has a little more positive knowledge. Anything else? I think that whoever is in charge of these things should be warned that there might be a second body to be found. Do you mean a second body connected with the crime we have been considering? The murder of Verity Hunt? Yes, I'm quite sure of it, as a matter of fact. And do you know where this body is? Oh, yes. I'm quite sure I know where it is. But I need to have a little more time before I can tell you that. What kind of a body? A man, a woman, a child? The other missing girl. Nora Broad. You know, the more you tell me, the less I like leaving you here. We don't want you to be the next corpse. Don't you worry. I'm not expecting anything like that. <sighs> Do you suspect any particular person? Or people? Yes. I think I do. But I need to find out more, at least as much as an old woman like me can. Do I understand you're no longer interested in the people who have gone off in the coach? Why should I be interested in them? Because you said Mr. Raphael had sent you on the coach for a particular reason and sent you to the old manor house for a particular reason. Very well, then. The death of Elizabeth Temple is presumably tied up with someone on the coach. But your remaining here 
ties up with the old manor house. You're not quite right there. There are connections between the two, but I need someone to tell me things. Do you think you'll be able to make someone tell you? I think I might. But you'll miss your train if you don't go soon. Yes, you're right. I'd, uh, I'd better be going. I'll walk with you to reception. Looks as though your shadows are waiting for you, Miss Marples. My shadows? Oh, you mean Miss Cook and Miss Barrow. They never seem to let me out of their sight for long. So you're off back to London, Professor? Yes, I am. You're both staying on, I take it. Oh, yes. We've discovered there is so much to see round here. There's a particularly interesting Saxon church at St. Martin's in the Grove with what sounds like a really unusual font and the remains of a doom painting over the chancel arch. We were wondering whether you'd like to come and see it with us, Miss Marple. You're very kind, but I don't think I feel quite up to going off on an expedition. It's only five miles away, and there's a very good local bus service. Not today, I think. Perhaps I might join you on another of your little outings. We'll take you up on that, Miss Marple. Have a safe journey, Professor. Goodbye. Goodbye. I really am getting more and more worried about leaving you here. First Joanna Crawford and her strange boyfriend, now those two. I am perfectly capable of taking good care of myself, Professor. Now off you go. And don't forget to ring that charity. I won't. Goodbye, Miss Marple. I had luncheon alone in the dining room. After all the hustle and bustle of the tour departure, the Golden Boar suddenly seemed a strangely deserted place. I went out onto the terrace to drink my coffee and work out a plan of campaign. But I nodded off and woke suddenly to find Anthea Bradbury Scott standing beside me. Good afternoon, Miss Marple. Oh, oh. you rather startled me for a moment. We'd only just heard that you didn't go off with the others on the coach after all. We had no idea you were staying on here by yourself. After all that has happened, I felt that I needed a rest. I do so understand. Uh, Clotilde and Lavinia sent me to say that we do hope you'll be able to come back to the old manor house and stay with us again. I'm sure it will be nicer for you to be there. There are so many people coming and going here, especially at weekends. We would be very... Very glad if you could come back to us. That is most kind of you, really most kind, but I... It would be so much better if you came to us. We'd try to make you very comfortable. Oh, I'm sure you would. And I have enjoyed my previous stays with you very much. So, it's settled then. You may as well come with me now. Let me help you pack your things. In part four of Agatha Christie's Nemesis, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Professor Wanstead, David Swift, Archdeacon Brabazon, Desmond Flewellyn, Anthea Bradbury Scott, Thelma Barlow. Mrs. Blackett, Hilda Schroeder, Miss Cook, Tricia Hitchcock, Miss Barrow, Delia Lindsay, Emlyn Price, Roger Moss. Nemesis is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell, and directed by Enid Williams.
has been a Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.